0: Just stand and sing with us. I was nowhere, you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised. When I needed a savior to save me, Jesus, you made a way. I was blind, but these eyes have been opened. Now. step on this road, I will follow, Jesus, you may. Secure in your promise, never standing alone. You're the truth, you're the life, you're my future. Jesus, you made a way. I'm alive in the love that you give me, free to dance once again. You will lead me from glory to glory. Your love came to find me. Jesus, you are the way. You are the way. You are the way. You're the light shining bright in the darkness. Jesus, you are the way. Let's clap our hands. a little faster. morning, everyone. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. All right. We are just, as always, we are going to just continue this time of worship. Worship as you are most comfortable, whether that means you are standing or sitting, whatever it may be. Um, and just uh, I, one awkward thing I kind of have to address. Guys, we are having an issue with this back monitor. <laughs> Not to take from anything else going on, but I wanted to say that but I'm gonna say just a brief word of prayer and and we're just gonna continue this time together. Father God, we just thank you for all that you do and all that you are. And God, it is a privilege to just be in your presence this morning. God, we pray that you would just meet us here in a very special way. God, that you would hear our praises this morning, that you would hear our songs. God, that they would bless your heart. Help us to just be hollow vessels, God, ready to be used by you, ready to be moved by you. To do whatever you may have us do, Lord. We love you, Lord, and in your name we pray. some
1: may say it's hopeless they must have never met my god some may say it's broken but it was finished on the cross some may say it's broken but the healing
0: A miracle in the works
1: And I can feel it And there's revival in the church And I believe it Some may see an ocean But he's made a highway through Some may see a mountain, but we've seen a mountain move.
0: song has been around for a minute, but I've also kind of uh, realized that not everybody may know it, so I just really quickly, I just want to teach you the chorus, if that's okay. It's pretty straightforward, but um, just when we get into it, I just want this to just be our declaration this morning. It is just a song. of my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands and feet, my Savior on that curses. sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints. My gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. The day is coming when there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more tears there will be no more pain or worry. He will return. And it is just going to be praising his name, singing his praises for all eternity. Oh, together one more.
2: share your updates, praises and prayer requests on the connection card and drop it in the offering when it comes around later. First time visitors, let us get to know you through the connection card and at the end of service you can take it to the visitor welcome desk in the lobby for a small gift. Help us show the love of Christ to those who are voting here at Capital City Church on Tuesday, November 8th. To participate, sign up at the table in the lobby. November 18th through the 20th, We will have revival here at Capital City Church with special guests, Jimmy Copenhaver and Deborah Charles. Be sure to join us for what is sure to be an incredible weekend of teaching and worship. Stay tuned for more info. Our church is participating in Operation Christmas Hope. It's to send gifts to kids of the Pima tribe in Levine, Arizona. Boxes and lists are available in the lobby. To participate, please pick one up and return it by Sunday, November 27th. Boxes should be returned wrapped and include $10 to cover the shipping costs. Thank you for supporting the ministries of Cap City Church. You can give by check or cash or online on Cash App. Please welcome Pastor Jacob with this week's message.
3: Well, I'm not sure I really deserve the applause, uh, but the praise team, they killed it, so we can give them another one. Um, Fantastic, fantastic job today. I challenged the praise team today in our morning meeting. I said, uh, really believe the words you're singing. You know, sometimes we get caught up in the music or the rhythm, um, but it's really the words that have such power. Uh, I'm going to do something that is common for for our church, uh, Hope Central, and and it's something that I like to do as often as I preach, Um, but we do something called a posture of prayer at our church, and what that is, is we basically, we ask anybody who is physically able to get down on their knees and pray with me, Um, and why we do this is because if you look at the word worship, it is an active verb in the Hebrew language, and so it actually means taking a posture or posturing yourself in such a way that you honor and worship God. And so, if you will, um, anybody who is physically able, I would, like, uh, I would ask that you would take uh, a knee and bow down. And, and what this is really about is this is just bowing down and saying, hey, hey God, we want to hear from you. And so, if you can't physically do it, just hold your hands out for a blessing, and we'll pray that God blesses you. But Lord God, as we come before you today, we ask, just as the praise team sang, Come Holy Spirit, we need you. Uh, Nothing that is spoken today, nothing that is sang today will mean anything without the interpretation of the Spirit interceding on our behalf and transforming us into new creatures, Lord God. I pray that you would do a work in the hearts and minds of every person here. I pray that you would bless them and fill them to the utmost with your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In case you are unaware of what's going on, we are having a baptism service next week. We have a handful of people who want to be baptized. Yeah, we can clap for that. See, this is a good church because your enthusiasm is so fantastic. Like I say small words like baptism and you just start clapping. That's great. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, just every time I say the word baptism, maybe we'll just do that during the sermon. Anytime I say the word baptism, you can clap there you go we'll see how distracting that gets during the sermon um but but we are uh baptizing people next week and we want to kind of focus yeah maybe it's a little too distracting we tried it we won't do it uh because i have the word in the sermon a lot and now i'm afraid to say the word but we're no more clapping okay um but we are baptizing people next week, and I think it is—no, seriously, it's way too distracting. Um, but, but we are baptizing people next week, and it's a fantastic opportunity to introduce people to what baptism really means. And so I was talking with Jonathan. I said, I said do you want me to preach on baptism so that if there's somebody out there who maybe is unsure of where they're at spiritually— they can kind of understand what baptism is. And so we're gonna be in Acts chapter 16, taking a look at some baptisms that take place in scripture. Um, But as we kind of go over this, I want you to just understand this. We don't as a church, I believe, and and this isn't just this church, I just think as a church kind of through America, we don't give baptism the celebration and the priority that it deserves. Um, it is a it, it, in fact if you look at scripture whenever the Holy Spirit engaged people they were baptized and then filled it, it, oftentimes it said they were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and so there's something about it in, in our theology John Wesley would call it a means of grace uh, something that you do an act of obedience that allows you to encounter the fullness of who God is and experience his Holy Spirit and so Um, there is this idea that people say, well, do you need to be baptized to be saved? Or do you need to be baptized to go to heaven? The answer is no. But if you want to encounter God and his fullness, baptism is a large criteria for encountering the Holy Spirit. And so you're missing out on something. And, And that's really the reality is because we have people who get saved And they never really encounter the fullness of God. And that's because they they don't get baptized or they get baptized and there's just no celebration of it. I've been in baptism services where they like dunk people and people are like, yay, good job. Or what's worse is they don't do anything. And what we're really declaring to the world is that we want to live for Christ. These people have been saved. I mean, just if we're really Bible-believing people. We believe that salvation leads you away from hell and leads you into eternity and salvation with Jesus Christ. So when we baptize people, we are literally pulling people from the grips of hell and leading them to a loving Savior. And that's something to be re- celebrated, right? Now you can clap. And so we're going to take a look at this. And in Acts 16, and it might be kind of a, a weird passage for some of you to to wonder why I picked this, but we're going to actually pick up in verse 13, and I don't know how that affects our slides, but we're going to pick up in verse 13. Acts 16, verse 13 says this, on the Sabbath, we went a little ways outside of the city to the river bank where we thought people would be meeting in prayer. And we sat down to speak with some of the women who had been gathered there. One of them was Lydia from From Thyatira, good luck pronouncing those words. A merchant of expensive purple cloth, she worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she urged us until we agreed. It's painful noise, right? Maybe we've been there. Maybe we've been in a hospital where we've, we've heard that heart rate monitor. And maybe it's gone off on a loved one. Or maybe, uh, it was just, maybe it was just a malfunction and you freaked out, right? You're like, I'm still breathing, but it's, it's gone numb. The question I have for you today is, how is your heart? How is your heart today? Because it says here, the Lord opened her heart. So I want to give you a little bit of a historical context before we get into this. They went outside the town because they were in the town of Philippi. And there was no foreign religions that were welcomed in. So they couldn't reintroduce new religions. And so when they came on a missionary journey to share the gospel, they understood that they had to share it outside of town. By sharing it with a woman, what that communicates is that women did not get first priority in early church history, they had no validity, they weren't allowed to often speak in church services. I didn't say it, it's not how we choose to do it today, it's not what we do today, but in first century Palestine, women didn't really hold a lot of value or clout in the community. And and on top of that, there was no established temple. In order to establish a temple, you had to have a minimum of ten Jewish believing men. So there was no temple, so we can only assume that there probably wasn't even ten men in this community of faith. in this town that believed in the God of Israel. And so we're in this kind of dry and weary wasteland that is Philippi and they go to the outskirts of town and they see these women talking and they decide to share the gospel. And in this encounter it says that God opened her heart. You see all throughout Scripture we have what we we see is a heart condition, a heart problem. Heart disease, and this is a fun fact for you in America, heart disease is the leading cause of death in America. So while all you good Christians want to, you know, ridicule all the different bad habits we have, McDonald's is probably the worst one. Just like, painful fact, heart disease kills more people than alcohol and tobacco. You know, energy drinks, yeah, heart disease kills more. Um, But that's besides the point but we have a, what we know known as an unresponsive heart. The medical term is sudden cardiac arrest. So both in our physical and our spiritual life, the heart is a key factor to keeping us alive. Would everybody agree with that? All right, if you disagree with it, you're just simply wrong. You need your heart. But I want to look in the Old Testament. In Moses' day... In the book of Exodus, it repeatedly says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. In Jeremiah's day, it says that the people were rebellious. In Jeremiah 17, 9 through 10, it says, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Jeremiah 18, 12 says, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live as we want to, stubbornly following our own evil desires. We will live how we want to here's what's funny about this is we wouldn't have the audacity in church to say we're going to live how we want to live but we would have the audacity to say we're going to keep the traditions that we've always had in the church has our heart become hard how is your heart is your heart responsive and receptive to new vital things the title of the sermon series over the next two weeks is simply put is signs of life. One of the biggest signs of life is a responsive heart. And I look at the church sometimes, and I can tell where someone's spirituality is based on their willingness to change. Because the Spirit is always moving, and always growing, and always evolving to do new works in the body of Christ. Our job as leaders, our job as Christians is to lead people to new revelations of an almighty God. And that, that looks different. That looks different. Colton, was, was, Colton and I were talking a little bit, and he says, you know, I'm trying to introduce some new songs. and I'm doing some different things like this. I said, that's great. I said, that's what you're called to do, to lead people into new things. That's what we strive for here because we want you to grow deeper and deeper in your spiritual faith, because we don't want people to get to a point and say, don't waste your breath. We will continue to live and worship and sing as we want to stubbornly following our desires. And really you look at it and say, well, what's an evil desire? I think really an evil desire is anything that you desire that God doesn't desire. So if God desires for you to move forward, and you say no, then whether you're in church or not every Sunday, your desire is evil. Isn't that painful? That's painful for me. As we sold Hope Central and we came over here, I started thinking to myself, if the Lord's calling me to sell the building over there and come over here, and I say no, it doesn't matter how long I pastor over there, I will be living in my evil desires. How's my heart? Isaiah 6.10 says that God hardened the heart of the people of Israel. You say, well, what, what kind of God would harden people's hearts? And I want to clarify, he didn't harden it. He gave them what they wanted. And what they wanted led to a hard heart. You see, we often want to blame God and say, well, Lord, how did I get here? Well, what happened is you continue to reject the Holy Spirit. You continue to reject God's leading in your life. And eventually, and I always like to communicate this. Anybody who knows me, knows my preaching, they know this. God's a gentleman. He is not going to go where he is not welcome. And so if you continue to just say, Lord, nope, 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 eventually he's going to go here. Fine then. Be stubborn. Be bitter. Be angry. Be hard. If that's what you want, if that's what you've chosen, Here you go. How's your heart? Daniel 5.20 says that the king's hearts were lifted up. They were proud. And he was stripped of his glory. Are our hearts proud today? Do we think that we've ascended in knowledge and understanding? The moment you think you know it all is the moment you know nothing. I always thought when I was young, there'd be a time where I would arrive and I would know what I was doing. Still don't know what I'm doing. And I've talked to pastors older than me. They don't know what they're doing. We're learning, we're growing. And what proves this is the pandemic, because I sat in a room with 20 pastors in the middle of the pandemic, and we all looked at each other and gone, what are you doing about the pandemic? And we go, we don't know. You see, we got to guard against pride and ask the question, how is our heart? Matthew 13, 15. Jesus echoed the words of Isaiah when he said the people's hearts have become hard. They've become so hard that they won't even hear new things. They won't even hear new things. God is revealing new and wonderful things in our church. Can you hear it? Do you want to hear it? Are you seeking it? Romans 5.2, or I'm sorry, Romans 2.5 says, because of your stubborn heart, you are storing up wrath. Whoa, that's painful. Storing up wrath. And here's what I think that really kind of comes down to. Because of your stubborn heart, you're storing up wrath. I think you're so stubborn that you frustrate the Spirit. You frustrate the Holy Spirit. And, And Scripture talks about frustrating the Spirit. You become so stubborn that you think you know it all, that you can no longer hear from God. You come to church, you have your opinions about church, you think you know what church is all about, but then you also have to ask yourself, is my pride a problem? And I would venture to say that the moment moment you say pride is not a problem is the moment the Lord will lay you low. You want to hear a funny baptism story? This isn't in my notes, but it's funny, and it came to mind. So I was baptizing some teenagers about, 20 years, uh, about 10 years ago, and um, I was in a good place spiritually. But that week had been a hard week for me. I had made some poor choices, and I, I was coming in to baptize them. And, and I'm just completely honest, my heart wasn't entirely right when I was getting ready to baptize these young people. And we had these, this big walk-in baptism. I mean, it was massive at Hope Central. And, and I'm walking down the stairs, and I hit the second stair and fall straight on my butt. And just fall all the way down, splash all the way in. And just, I mean, my tailbone hurt for like two days. And, and the funny thing is, the Lord pressed on my heart, and he said, you need to remember who you're coming before with this. Are you humble today? How's your heart? Acts 28, 27, once again, we see this idea of Isaiah again. It says, the hearts of the people are hard. So hard they can't even hear and see what God is doing right in front of them. I'm going to be honest. If you have been a part of Capital City Church over the last month and you are still disgruntled, you have a heart problem. Like the things that God is doing in and through the merger and joining of multiple churches to bring about God's kingdom. If you are coming to these services, if you are sitting in the worship services and you aren't feeling the presence of God, then you at the end of the service need to come to an altar of prayer and say, Lord, what's wrong with me? Because there's something broken. Because the spirit is so thick all over this place, that if something's not happening inside of you, it's not the church's fault, it's not God's fault, there's something wrong with your heart, because God is all over this place. And it's so evident, everybody I talk to, the spirit-filled people that are in this church, but I would, I would dare to echo the same, pas- the same passage of scripture over and over again. The problem with the church, and not this church, but the church globally, the problem with the church today is there are too many people sitting in the church with hard hearts and they can't hear from God and they can't see God no matter what they do because they have set in stone what they think is right. It's not as simple as that. It's not just white and black. There are so many gray areas that we have to wrestle with. That's why scripture says that we need to... Uh, work out our own salvation through fear and trembling. We need to struggle with it a little bit. It's not always black and white, but how's your heart today? What is the subtle and deceptive about the heart is that we can be deceived in the midst of seemingly righteous circles to think that we have it all figured out. We sit in church and we think, hey, we got it all figured out. I'm good. Been in the church since, I mean, I don't mean to pull a Paul card. You know what a Paul card is where Paul, like, rambles about all his accomplishments? I've been in the church since I was born. My father was a pastor for my whole entire life. I have a master's degree in ministry. I get it. People say they've been hurt by the church. Hello, me too. But what are you really seeking from God? How's your heart? are you staying humble are you seeking him in the midst of everything we we have a tendency we could get into those circles and we could think I got it all figured out I don't want to have it all figured out because I'm 35 years old if I have it all figured out by 35 life is gonna be really boring no challenge no struggle struggle makes life worth living and besides, do I really want to, here's, here's the thing, let's say there's a 90-year-old person in this room, don't know who you are, maybe you're 90 years old. If you're 90 years old, do you really want to serve a God who can be figured out within 90 years? I want to serve a God so big that no matter how long I pursue him, I will never fully understand him. I want a God bigger than me, because he can handle my problems when my problems are bigger than me. I want to be God. But that means keeping my heart in check. You see, many of us grow hard in heart as a means of coping with the pain we have experienced. We live, we love, we lose. And it's easier sometimes to have a hard heart than it is to let people in, than it is to change. We would rather grow hard than feel the pain of heartache again. But a hard heart is a dead heart there's a word in the medical field it's hypertrophic cardiomyopathy maybe you're a nurse maybe you're a doctor and you know what that means but essentially what it is is it's a hard heart the muscles around your heart grow so thick that the blood has a hard time circulating where it needs to and over time this hard heart will lead to sudden cardiac arrest and you'll die how's your heart? Is your your heart hard, or are you leaving room for it to be opened again? Are you releasing the things? In my early 20s, there were some things that I went through, and I remember having the vivid conversations with God in my prayer life, and going, Lord, I'm ready to quit. I'll just put on a hard shell, and I'll be impenetrable, and, and people will leave me alone, and I can manage this, and I can, I can dial in, and I, I can just blot out the emotions. And I remember in those moments praying and going, Lord, no matter how bad reality hurts, don't let my heart get hard. And I had to pray against it. And, and, and many of you don't understand that maybe your heart's already hard, or it's getting hard. You have to intentionally pray that the Lord will break your heart for the things that break His. Like, you have to pray for those things. It's not just going to happen. When I pray for people, I don't pray that things would get better. I pray that their hearts would get right with God. Because if their hearts are right with God, everything else will fall into place. And maybe you're here today and you said, my, my, my heart has grown hard. I won't let people in. I don't trust anybody But Proverbs 4:23 says this, that we must learn to guard our heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. See, that's the solution to having a hard heart, is that we don't need to harden it, but we need to learn to guard it. I had to guard my heart this morning. Uh, this week, I was writing this sermon, and, I, and my wife often asks me about Friday, she says, How's your sermon going? And I said, well, it's okay. I said, but I don't really have that hook. That's something, that thing that somebody can relate to, that people connect with. And so I'll give you something you can connect with. My hook came this morning at 6.45 in the morning. My normal routine is I wake up on Sunday mornings, and I get here about two hours before anybody else, and I run through my sermon, and I practice, and, and I work out all the kinks. And 645 rolls around, and I go out to my car, and I get my car. Click, 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 click. Great. My battery's dead. In that moment, I had a choice. Either I could let my heart get hard in that moment, or I could keep my heart soft. And you say, well, no one lets their heart get that hard that quick. (laughs) Yeah, right. I've seen some of you with your fingers driving down the freeway. <laughs> but but we but it's a real conversation every day we have to choose to keep our heart in the right place before God. And and when that moment came, there was a dozen things I could think about. I could think about why it was an inconvenience, I could think about my, you know, my sermon not being prepped. I could think about all the negatives and, and all the, the problems. But I started to press pause. I'll wake my daughter up. She's up already. I'll have breakfast with her. So I had breakfast with my little girl. I got my son out of his crib and got him dressed and got to hear him say dada. I called my friend, Colton, our worship leader, lives a mile from me. I thought, man, how lucky am I to have a friend so close. I said, hey, man, my car's dead. Will you give me a ride? Had a beautiful wife who was willing to rush around and try to get ready early. You see, in every moment, you can choose to make your heart a little harder. Or you can choose to see the things that God has right in front of you. I think the biggest thing that we learn in Scripture, one of the biggest things, is that God really just wants us to slow down. God wants to fix the way you view things. You see, the world is falling apart. But your world doesn't have to be. And that's what God really wants to give you. He wants you to slow down. He wants your heart to be tender and loving and kind. You see, now how good would I have been in this sermon or this worship service... Had I allowed a a dead battery to ruin my day? You choose your attitude. You choose the condition of your heart. But it says that the Holy Spirit opened Lydia's heart. And so we know that there is hope found. And in Exodus 30, we see the, the traditions of the Old Testament and the sacrifices. And in Exodus 30, verse 20, it says this. They must wash with water whenever they go into the tabernacle, to appear before the Lord, and when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord, or they will die. There is this idea of ceremonial purification, of cleansing, of being restored that had to take place, that they would wash with water. Ezekiel 36, 25-27 says this, and this is a promise to the people of Israel, but I think also for us, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. All of which are fulfilled through the declaration of Jesus Christ and baptism. They are sprinkled with water. In our case, we just dunk you. We want to make sure it all gets sprinkled. But but we wash to pull you away from the idols, to pull you away from the unholy things, to get you right before an almighty God, and I will give you a new heart. You see, maybe you've been saved your whole life, but maybe you're still struggling with an old heart. You see, John Wesley believed that it was a means of grace, that when we partake in an act of obedience, God imparts more of himself to us. He imparts his Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit gives us a new heart. You see, maybe you need a bold declaration like baptism to declare to the world, I'm not hiding anymore. I'm with Jesus. I'm washed clean. I'm pure. You can't touch me. But we don't picture it like that. We don't depict it like that. We say, oh, you need to be baptized. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Okay, cool. But there's something supernatural about it. And I can't explain it. But Scripture declares it. That there is a working of the Holy Spirit that when we encounter the baptism waters, God does a fresh work in us. I will take away your stony stubborn heart and give you a tender responsive heart says Ezekiel and I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations God's calling you to something bigger baptism is a means of grace in which we encounter the father son and holy spirit through a simple act of obedience that aligns us with the will of God It is the beginning of a bold movement of God in our life if we would only allow it. An inauguration, if you were, of right living and self-surrender. It is equally imparted to all men, but few embrace the fullness of its powers. You say, maybe you just did it out of obedience. Maybe you just did it out of obligation. But have you done it with the sheer desire to just give everything to God. It is more than just a quick dip. It is a divine encounter with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in which we choose the same path as Jesus. You don't do it out of obligation. You don't do it necessarily just out of blind obedience, but I would venture to say how many of you just did it? You just did it because that's what you're told to do. But did you embrace the fullness of what God has for you? Did you go into it craving the Holy Spirit, desiring that your heart would be made new? It is a choice to completely surrender everything to God. A choice to serve Him in life and join with Him in death. We must lay to rest the old man with his hard, broken heart and allow the living water to revive us anew. That's what baptism is really supposed to do. I wish I could explain the full power of baptism because it's an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You see, oftentimes people would get saved, but then after baptism, it would say they encountered the Holy Spirit. You see, we have a lot of Christians, I think, and a lot of churchgoers who would claim they are saved, but boy, their actions lack the Holy Spirit. Amen. If faith is believing something we don't entirely see, then what if we entered the baptism waters believing That they had the supernatural power to radically transform our lives. Because in that moment of complete surrender, we believed that we would be invaded by the Holy Spirit. What if we prayed that way? What if we rejoiced that way? What if we said, it's done. It's over. I'm not that person anymore. Maybe you need to be re-upped. Maybe you need to be re-baptized. My grandma was one of those, I, I talk about my grandma a lot, but she was one of the sweetest ladies I ever knew. Like 80 years old, and she's like, hey, I want to get baptized again. I was like, why? You're like the nicest, saintliest person I've ever met. She goes, because the Lord's calling me to it. Well, I can't really argue, because I used to struggle with people who were like, oh, I need to get re-baptized. I used to struggle with that. But now I'm like, man, if you're just hungry for the Holy Spirit, and you know that he can be found in those baptism waters, sign me up again. But are you hungry for the Holy Spirit to radically invade and transform your lives? Not out of routine, not out of ritual, not out of blind obedience. But what if we entered those waters begging and craving the Holy Spirit? Like a soul that had been in a a dry and weary land that craved water. What if you approach the baptism waters... Like someone who had just trudged through the desert and saw an oasis and says, man, I want all of it. What if that's what God was trying to give you in baptism? Because it is. So I want you to see five quick things that God gives us on the topic of baptism. First one, baptism acknowledges obedience to God. Okay? Obedience to God, first and foremost. Jesus came, and John the Baptist said, I should be baptized by you. And Jesus responded this. He said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. The simple first reason you should be baptized is because God asks it of you. Need there there be more, right? If you're old enough to understand salvation, you need to be baptized because, because God calls you to it. Obedience. Baptism acknowledges that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That's what baptism acknowledges. I've sinned, you've sinned, we've all sinned, we need to be baptized. We need to be washed clean. We need to give our lives to Christ. Jesus, when he was baptized, had no sin to confess. So he went into the baptism waters confessing the sins of Israel. He took their sin upon him and he was baptized for the whole nation. What he was doing is he was acknowledging the need for repentance and baptism. So we do the same thing. We declare our own sin, but we also declare the sin of all mankind. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Third, baptism acknowledges that you support the cause of Christ. Do you support the cause of Christ? Do you boldly and outwardly declare I am for Jesus. I've known some people who say, well, I don't want to get baptized because I don't want to mess up my hair. I don't want to get baptized because I don't like being in front of people. I don't want to get baptized because the water's too cold. The water at our church was always freezing cold. And I just always figured that the best objective was to take the the other spirits out of them with the cold water so that we can make room for the Holy Spirit. And plus I got baptized in March in Deer Creek and it was freezing so I have no pity on people. But I mean, on a serious note here, do you support the cause of Christ enough to have your hair messed up in front of people? If you can't even mess your hair up in front of people for God, you really think you can die for Him? It's an outward sign of an inward faith going, man, I want to be washed and new. Yes. Yeah. We need to start educating people that from the moment they're saved, they can't wait. They're coming and knocking on the door and going, pastor, I need to be baptized. People need to see it. People need to know where I stand. Not only do they need to know where I stand, they need to know where my whole family stands. In in chapter 16 of Acts, there are two indications where a whole family was baptized together. Lydia and her whole household, and the Philippian jailer and his whole household, the whole house. And it's just like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Baptism acknowledges that God calls us on mission. You go into the water, lost, broken, surrendered. You come out of the water. You're on mission. Jesus, it says that he was baptized. He was on mission. And then he started his ministry. He started his ministry. Let me ask you this. Since you've been baptized, have you been on mission to, to minister for God? That's our objective. It was an inauguration to, to declare to people, I will declare the kingdom of God until he comes. You're on mission. As part of a, a divine movement, Matthew twenty-eight twenty says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, The Son and the Holy Spirit. You should come out of those baptism waters and start looking for other people to save and baptize. That's why you exist. Like, do you understand that, like, the only, like, you exist to bring God glory, you exist to lead people to Jesus, you exist. To love your God and to love your neighbor. That is why you exist. Maybe you're here today and you say, Jacob, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I exist. I don't know why God put me on this planet. You exist to bring him glory and to lead people to him. That is like your only job. Everything else is secondary. And we got too many people who are entering the baptism waters and then just sitting in the comfy chairs. We got to be on mission. That's what we're called to. It's what we're called to. This is a beautiful thing about baptism. Last, baptism acknowledges the elimination of social structures. You're not white, you're not black, you're not male, you're not female. As as Galatians three twenty seven through twenty eight says, it says, "And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ." Like putting on new clothes, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for we are all one in Jesus Christ. We are one. It is an act of unity. In the time before Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist was reported saying that Jesus would come, baptizing with the Holy Spirit, and that he would separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. And the idea of chaff and wheat, if you're not familiar with that, it was a farming term. And they would go through with their their winnowing forks, and they would cut, and the chaff would fall down and blow away. And the wheat, because it was heavier, would stay still. And they would go and pick up the wheat. What God is inviting you to in this baptism experience, what God is inviting you to is a new heart that is for him. But he's really wanting to see who's all in. He's wanting to see who's serious. He's wanting to see somebody who's fully devoted. Not passive, but wholeheartedly committed to a good God. Then he will come and clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into the barn, but burning the chaff with a never-ending fire. Man, very next verse, it says that Jesus kind of walked onto the scene. What an entrance, right? I mean, what if Jesus just came in and he goes, all right, I'm looking for the ones that are actually serious. I'm looking for the ones who actually do what I tell them to do. I'm looking for the ones who will lead people to me. I'm looking for the ones who will not be afraid or embarrassed or ashamed. I'm looking for the real ones. And I want them to be a part of my movement. I don't want them to be a part of my religion. I don't want them to be a part of my church. I want them to be a part of this divine heavenly movement that is pulling people towards the heart of God through love and compassion. Don't worry about those those Sadducees and those Pharisees. They're a bunch of vipers. I'm looking for the real deal. I'm looking for people who will serve the poor and the hungry and clothe the naked. I'm looking for the ones who will go into the gutter and pull people out and give them hope. I'm not looking for the ones who just sit in their comfy chairs or just show up on Sunday. I'm looking for the real ones. You see, God is inviting us to a divine movement. I know there's so many people Who have been hurt by the church. And why you've been hurt is because what you really crave is you crave something real. You crave for the church to be all that it says it should be. I can't speak for every church. I can speak for me, I can speak for Pastor Jonathan, and I can speak for this church. We're going to be a real church. We're going to be a movement for God. Not, it's not about a denomination. It's, it's not about a religion. It's not about church. It's about Jesus, and we're going to move for Jesus where Jesus wants us to move. We're going to serve the lost. We're going to serve the broken. We're going to keep ministering, and we're going to keep making active moves to reach the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask the praise team to come up, and we're going to sing a song And what I'm really inviting you to is to make a move for God today. Can we be that bold that we would make a move for God? Maybe you say, well, Jacob, I don't want to go to the altar because I'm afraid that somebody might think there's something wrong with me. Well, there's something wrong with all of us. You're just too proud to admit it. Everybody knows we're all broken. We're not under any false pretenses here that that we don't have problems and flaws and mistakes. But the altar is here for healing and hope. We're going to have our pastors here, and they're going to pray for you if you want prayer. But this song talks about a move of God. I don't want to see a church grow. I want to see a movement of God. And I want to see God move over and over and over again in my life. But in order for God to move, our hearts need to be responsive. And if you aren't a Christian today, I'm asking that you would respond to the call of Christ in your life today. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Jacob, I'm not a Christian, but I want to be a part of this movement. We'll meet you right down here and we'll lead you straight to the heart of God. But at some point in your life, you're going to have to resolve that you have to make a move. You have to allow your heart to break and shatter and become gentle again. As Lydia, you need your heart to be opened again. And then you need to find some water and you need to get baptized. Lucky for you, we're doing it next week. But God is trying to draw you into his presence. He's trying to fill you with his spirit. But some of you today may need to make a move. And so I'm going to make it easy on you. Stand with us see that move is already halfway done I'm gonna ask our pastors to come the move is getting easier and a little closer but if you need to make a move today you'll be welcomed with love and compassion and open arms but God is pressing in on you right now you can't stand still eternity ways in the balances and God wants you with him in heaven. Dear Lord God as we come to you now in worship, I pray Lord God that there if there be anybody here today who does not have a living breathing relationship with you, I pray that they would find salvation in your son Jesus Christ. Lord, that they would not join just another tradition or another religion or another church or another denomination, but that they would join in the movement of an almighty God who sent his only begotten son to save them. Help us to make a move today for you. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Mountains still being moved, strongholds still being loosed. God, we believe, yes, we can see, we understand what you do. We are here.
3: I think we need to remember in the midst of everything, what are we here for? We are here, we are created, we are designed for one purpose, to bring God glory. We are here for Him, and if He doesn't move, we will be hopelessly lost. It's the most terrifying place in the world to be, and yet the most comforting and welcoming and loving place to be. Are here for Him. Nothing more, nothing less. You are here in this moment, in this time for God. You are created for Him. In His very image, God created you. Colton, let's sing one more round of that. We are here. Oh seated. Well we have a few brief announcements for you. We'll let those who, who want to pray continue to pray and so but uh, we have a few brief announcements for you. Um, one of those is uh, we would now actually let me kind of keep track of where we're at. Uh, we would now like to dismiss our online audience um, and then we will kind of close out with some a few brief announcements. Uh, So real briefly, one thing that we um, want to acknowledge is so this past week was Pastor Jonathan's birthday.